0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into the RoadWire Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Super Bowl week, Super Bowl 56 on tap, and Mario and I are going to break down the whole thing, DFS, betting Everything in between props, crazy novelty props. We'll even get all of those as well. And of course, this podcast brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. Let's start the show. Welcome back in Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, John McCackney, joined as always by Mario Puig. Super Bowl week is finally upon us. We are just days away from the big game. Uh, as everyone expected, the Bengals and the Rams are, are squaring off um, in Super Bowl 56. This is the what the second year in a row in which we've had uh the the host stadium uh have its home team playing in it. So that's kind of an interesting wrinkle after 55 years or 54 years of that not ever happening.
2: Yeah. I didn't know that off the top of my head, but I I certainly believe you. And uh, yeah, two, two in a row is quite a feat. I guess the only time the closest time I remember that happening, I guess was like maybe something like the 2000 Buccaneers. I don't remember why or something, something like that. They were like, this is the year we're going to, we're going to get it. We got the home field team of destiny. Uh, Didn't happen, but now we've had a, potentially two team of destinies in a row now
1: that uh, yeah that's right yeah Tampa Bay the, the year that they hosted it previously was, was 2000 uh the Ravens won that one they they, oh, beat, they beat Kerry I have
2: still now like the same visions on NFL 2k in uh like Raymond James Stadium and all that stuff uh it's 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 in my head oddly uh vividly fire the cannons um
1: <laughs> so there, there's so many different ways that we we can get things rolling as far as as this podcast goes. I guess before we dive into the specifics of, of this one and we'll, we'll kind of talk about building out a showdown lineup for this one and also kind of interweave uh, some props. But of the last, you know basically since you can remember what your point of demarcation as a football fan what are what are your three? or so favorite Super Bowls or Super Bowl memories that that really like when, when someone brings up the Super Bowl to you, what, what comes to mind?
2: Oh, man. Um, I hadn't really thought it through. The worst memory is probably that Falcons-Patriots game. That was just... Horrible. Yeah. So I guess I guess the corollary of that one is then maybe the best one was the Eagles suit. Guess yeah, the Eagles and the Giants Super Bowl <laughs> wins over the Patriots. And then the worst one was the one uh, that they they won against the the Falcons. Uh, the other Patriots wins were more like expected, so they weren't as traumatic. Uh, you weren't you weren't feeling good at any point in, in most of those. But then the Falcons one was just like sadistic uh, to make to make a decent person watch that happen. Uh yeah so that there's that and um yeah like even even like the early like when when the when the first time brady win against the, the rams happened it was like that that was fine it wasn't an evil empire yet but in the recent years it was like each time brady win was just like ugh.
1: right like it you know it, it wasn't always that boston was, was this leviathan of of sports like i enjoyed the the red sox 2004 uh run to the world series and breaking their curse it was like oh this is cool then 07 happens, you're like, oh, this is less cool. 2013 is like, all right, get get these guys out of my sight. And I hated you know, the
2: uh eighteen and O team less than that Falcons one, you know? Like that was <laughs> it was it's just I don't know. It was it was too much by then. It was it was greedy, it was excessive.
1: Yeah, that yeah, totally
2: unnecessary.
1: And that you know, the the Malcolm Butler play had happened, what, like two years prior oh, to that? Right.
2: <laughs> um so
1: yeah, like the, the yeah, Tom Brady and the Patriots uh, inflicted a lot of psychological damage on, on on me. And it's good to see that it wasn't just me, that, that you also, uh, felt, felt that it has too. made
2: the world darker for me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Uh, so
1: I, I don't know, I, outside of like my obvious, uh, like Ravens Super Bowl enjoyment from when I was nine and when I was 21, uh, let's see. I, I loved that pit. It's unfortunate that the Panthers lost it, that Super Bowl against the Patriots, but when I think of, like, really good, exciting Super Bowls, that, that oh, one yeah. um, with, with with Jake DeLome, uh, so, you know, I think Mushin Mohammed had, like, an 85-yard touchdown in that game. Like, it, there was no Muhammad scoring, and then there was
2: all the scoring. Nuts. Yeah. That showdown slate, you needed one of the Panthers receivers in the captain spot, and you needed the other one on the team, too, probably with DeLome, because, yeah – that that one was was all Muhammad and Smith, and yet Dulome had big numbers. I remember, and there was like no third guy. And that, who was their running back? Like Foster or something? Uh, might have been Stephen Davis. I can't remember. Oh, um, former Washington football team legend Stephen Davis. As yeah, well. he uh, in a lot of ways finally was featured. You know, when he when he got to Carolina, like uh, Washington maybe used him a little less than they should have. But uh, yeah, that was that was a really good Carolina team. They had a really sick four three. Uh, pass rush defense with peppers and i think rucker at the time yeah uh, Chris Frosty Stevens and all that yeah not frosty mike mike rucker frosty is the one from usc who had like all the character concerns and tested okay. poorly and didn't play well at usc and then the bengals inexplicably not inexplicably the bengals seemed to take him just because he had a bad character history like that was <laughs> the only selling point um but yeah the mike bengals were on that for a bit yeah Mike. mike was a big uh like he he was like a few time Pro Bowler I think in like the 90s and early 2000s or something.
1: Yeah, I think I think I remember liking Chris Jenkins because he went to
2: Maryland or, or something. Probably he was yeah, also so. good, incidentally. Yeah. He he really was. Yeah, that that was in Mike Minter. He was considered like the he was like the considered the best defensive lineman for a couple of years actually. Chris Jenkins. Yeah, no, he was he was a stud. The Panthers
1: have had interesting success with their defensive lines over the years, but. Uh, that that's a sign that we might might have drifted a little bit too far from, from our focus guys. here mm-hmm. yes <laughs> i love to remember the remembering some guys pod um anywho let's go ahead let's take a look at the showdown slate uh let's kind of base this around uh the salaries over on draftkings so on on draftkings the way you build a, sh- a showdown lineup you have your your uh, captain spot that player earns one and a half. Of the fantasy points listed on DraftKings, and that they come at a uh, higher salary, and then you fill out the rest of your roster with, with flat five flex plays. So that can be anything from defense to kickers um, to you know any of the receivers that you want to use. So, so just kind of leading off here, we see Cooper Cup at the top of the board, seventeen thousand four hundred for his captain spot usage. Eleven six is his regular flex. Would you go ahead and, and go captain uh, with, with the receiver, or would you go, go a little bit more the conventional route, take a quarterback, be it uh, Stafford or Burrow, um, in your captain spot?
2: So there, there's definitely a case for both. If I have one lineup, I guess I'd part, I prefer maybe the receiver just because it's going to be hard to differentiate lineups, and I guess if you want to like place highly in a tournament especially – maybe you need there to be one receiver who outscores their quarterback in question and have that player in the captain spot and thus pulling ahead of the people who had the quarterback and the other receiver. Um, So maybe it's like you need a Cooper cup or an Odell Beckham or a Higgins or a Jamar chase uh, in the event that just like, one or both of the quarterbacks have big games but there aren't like three or four people getting in on it it's like maybe maybe that's one way to differentiate but i guess yeah the the way that stafford or burrow uh are the the right answer it would be more like a horizontally distributed workload at the pass catchers you know a game a a tyler boyd game is i would imagine Mm -hmm. like better case for for burrow to be in the captain spot than than one where we think like Oh, remember when you know T. Higgins went nuts in the fourth quarter, or Chase went nuts in the fourth quarter? Like, if that happens, then it's probably like Burrow was less likely to be, uh, unless it was, unless it's like the price savings allow you to get some other guy who who people maybe missed out on otherwise. But uh, yeah, it's it's there's a case for both, I guess. The way I'm expecting this game to go, and this this might mean it's it's the chalkiest answer. I'm looking at Cooper Cup just because I do expect the Rams to win and in their case if if or if any particular team's case is they're, they're the heavy favorite or whatever you might normally look to the running back but with the rams it's like we don't even really know who that's going to be or to like what extent each one might be so it's a little tougher there and maybe there's even more thought to give for you know game theory reasons to the backfield but seems like there isn't going to be a running back or, or most projections don't see one running back doing a whole lot so for me i lean yeah i guess like Cooper Cup if if I'm favoring the Rams uh or maybe maybe not even really maybe I don't need to favor the Rams to go with Cup maybe maybe the Rams can lose and that could be Cup's best case scenario yet because they're playing catch up all game or something but uh in any case I'm looking mostly at the receivers and I'm kind of ignoring the backfield in this game.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's the right move and and you know when it is a showdown slate obviously uh to quote the great Dan Fouts from the Waterboy last game of the year can't hold anything back now. We know we know, but um, I, I think with, with that in mind, I might go, you know, away from quarterback in, in my captain spot and, and try to be contrarian with it within reason. And so I, I'm kind of landing on T Higgins actually, because I think that Higgins is a, a total stud, you know, that's obviously been, been established. And I think you also bake in the fact and, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this when we get into more like matchup specific stuff, from from this game, but if Jalen Ramsey is, is shadowing Jamar Chase, you know that the rest of that Rams secondary personnel is not good and specifically not a good matchup for, for a guy like Higgins when Higgins is, you know, 6'3 and they're, they're throwing a bunch of much smaller, skinnier, spindlier uh, corners at him. So I think if, if we see Chase get blanketed in coverage. Burrow's looking to, to Higgins and Higgins runs a lot of those intermediate routes. If the pass rush is starting to get home and they want to get the ball out quickly, I think it makes a lot of sense for Higgins to get peppered with targets. I just, I like T Higgins's chances here. And I, I think uh, for, for more of like a contrarian, like a, a, a tournament type of setup, which is usually what I play, you got to get a little bit different. I think Higgins is the path forward for that.
2: Yeah. I like Higgins. I guess um, he's, he's quite a bit more affordable than chase, right? So 7,600, versus uh 10-4 Oh wow. So yeah. Um for the price reasons, I think Higgins might have about as much, I guess maybe more ownership than Chase, just because it's like the people who do have Cooper Cup lineups and especially if they have one of the quarterbacks, it might be tough to fit in Chase and Higgins at that point. It might be it might be tough to afford Chase regardless of what you're doing with that other spot. So maybe Higgins is going to be some people's answers in that case. I really want to get all of those guys um i I think i'm gonna just try to get as many of those big name receivers as i can imagine as i can fit in the the lineup and just you know right or wrong kind of punt on the quarterbacks and i agree with everything you just said about t higgins so he was he was like the um one of the more one of the quickest uh options that stood out to me like when i go through trying to set a lineup i sort of I go in not thinking anything in particular and I kind of just look through and I'm like, who seems like an easy answer? And T Higgins at 7,600 to me seems like an easy answer for all those reasons you said. Now, it is possible that Chase doesn't, uh, th- that Ramsey doesn't shadow Chase. That would be a little strange to me, I guess, if only because, I, I mean, it- Higgins is not a guy I take lightly. I mean, I think we're both bigger Higgins fans than most people. I, I think he's pretty close to it, equal, of, of chases but he just objectively doesn't have as much big play ability you know and it's like he, he can make a lot of big plays downfield but it has a lot to do with his his uh, catch radius a lot of the time it's not really like if you let T Higgins make a catch you're you're running you know the one out of four chance that he scores on the play and with Chase you kind of get close to that sort of number so it's it's really dangerous to let him get going and i guess for that reason i, I would expect Ramsey to mostly be on him but you're right, it's still a lose-lose thing for the Rams because if you're putting Ramsey on Jamar Chase, then the biggest other corner they have, assuming assuming it's not like Weddle or somebody like that that they're putting on him, then the biggest corner is David Long, who's I think like 5'10 flat, and then Darius Williams, who's their actually second best corner, uh, he's kind of, I think, made a worse version of himself by having to line up against Higgins. So you're going from Ramsey to just guys who just really should not be on Higgins at all, and... Maybe there's some kind of, you know, off coverage with, with a safety rolled over that kind of help. Maybe there's something like that they can do just to stop Higgins. But I feel like Higgins has both a high floor and a high ceiling because it seems like he might be the guy that the Rams basically let the Bengals get going. Like they, they might just say like, fine, we'll let you, we'll let you get field goals. We'll let you get into field goal range. We'll let you move up and down the field a few times, but we're not going to let you have the long touchdown and we're going to you know, play, we're going to get a little tougher when you get into the touchdown range and, and we're going to make you, you know, prove it at that part of the field. And I, I don't know, it's, just, it's expecting the Bengals a lot to, to, you know, run 10 plays in a row or something and not have something bad happen when Aaron Donald's going against that line.
1: Right. Yeah. That That's going to be, you know, that, that's such a huge factor in the, in this game and it's been, you know, mulled over plenty and we'll, we'll, we'll do some mulling of our own, but yeah, Donald versus that interior is, is, you know, the game could hinge completely on that. If if the Bengals can't do anything to at least get in Donald's way, then, you know, this gets um, ugly in a hurry. Um, If you're, you know, kind of finishing out your, your lineup build outside of those, those really obvious top guys, um, it, a is there one that that you would be willing to fade? Um, Is it either going with a one quarterback from this, or, or would you be willing to, fade a chase in in lieu of a a Higgins or fade a a Cooper cup in lieu of Odell Beckham, get a little bit of savings that way. So you don't have to go to, you know, the Ben Scournick's of the world
2: to to finish out your lineup. Well, especially if you're doing just like one lineup, it's a little tougher to get into that Scourneck territory, but if you're making like three or four or whatever, I mean, Scourneck did get that uh, target, you know, he dropped it, but it did get to him and, uh, defenses are never going to care much about Ben Skowronik. So he could do something. And if, if you can put together a stars and scrub lineup, it would be Skowronik that, that comes to mind, I think, in, in that price range. But we also got to see what's going on with Daryl Henderson, I suppose. Um, I I think I, I do want to get chase if at all possible. Uh, I want to fade. I, I'm more eager to, f- or I'm more uh, willing to fade him than Higgins. Um, but the thing with chase too is if if the Rams make this a blowout i think chase will have a big game because then he's getting second half looks without you know the same defensive attention as in the first and so garbage time is a a time that chase could eat up really easily and it's not as if i want to fade him for a more median range game script either so um I, i think i really really want to get cooper cup t higgins and jamar chase i think beckham is kind of where if if i'm trying to cut one of my favorite receivers it it might be him first just because i can imagine scourneck getting you know some wrecker touchdown or, or kendall blanton or somebody like that um and i can't see cooper cup having anything but a big game so it's like beckham seems like maybe the pivot point for the Rams for me um it looks like one of the the listeners, Andrea was asking about yeah. Tyler Boyd. And I definitely didn't mean to skip him either. Cause I, I think he's a good player. And um, crucially, if, if Jalen Ramsey is on Jamar chase, then that means he's not in the slot where Boyd will be running. And normally you worry about the slot against the Rams defense, at least earlier this year, you would because Ramsey played a lot of the slot hasn't done it lately, especially last week. He didn't really do it at all. So Boyd, like the worst case for Boyd's matchup might be Eric Weddle, and uh, he might he might see a guy like uh, yeah David Long, Dante Dion, whatever else. So yeah, I like I like Tyler Boyd. I guess if Chase has a bad game, I I would think it's Boyd, uh, maybe taking up the space because it's it's like I I do think the Bengals mostly use Boyd when it's not working for for Chase. Like if they're if they're crowding downfield. They're probably not crowding the underneath in the middle where Boyd is, and, and he's a good player. So, uh, for the price, it's definitely really interesting. And yeah, maybe if I don't have Beckham, uh, or rather if, if I don't have Chase, I, I am very likely putting Boyd in the lineup because it's not like I can see Burrow throwing for fewer than 160 yards or something like that. No, I, and Uzoma's I, I, not going to do anything. I don't think Uzoma's going to play. Drew Sam- okay, that's a, that's an important,
1: uh, important thing. I, I wanted to, to get to Uzama next because he is, you know tantalizingly low salaried here he's at he's at 4400 and you you made the you know the good point that sample would not be a particularly trustworthy at the very least
2: pivot off yes
1: off of uzama. sample's
2: just a sixth lineman he doesn't do it he could catch some goofy you know goal line touchdown or something but that's the only thing he can really do okay and and so no uzama for you though i like the player and i got if he's actually playing i guess that'd be one thing but i i really don't I don't think him or Higby are going to play, but I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah, it's it's too bad. I
2: mean, I, that was such a bummer
1: during the AFC championship game when Uzama was getting carted off early in that yeah. one. Just especially right when now. he had to
2: deal with that Achilles tendon already last right. year. So, yeah, and he's had such an awesome
1: kind of resurgent, almost like a late breakout um, th- this past year. So hopefully he's out there. I'll consider him if he's active. We'll, we'll see how his pro- uh, practice progress goes the rest of the week but yeah I can't I can't see him pushing for more than like 3 or 4 targets and when you're in a PPR type of setting like DraftKings it makes it a little bit tougher to justify would you be so bold Mario as to use either either kickers or defenses for your showdown lineup this week
2: oh I do like the Rams defense but obviously with that I'm I'm kind of taking a pessimistic view of the Bengals projection so if I'm lower on the Bengals chances of winning this game than most people, then maybe that can kind of give you an idea of of how the Rams defense might be viewed. Like they're very cheap too, is I guess, part of the thing. Like it's not as if I I went into this game thinking like, Oh, I got to bet against the Bengals offense. It was more like, man, for 3,400. I mean, that's, that's not a high price to pay for the chance of getting like six plus sacks, even if the Bengals score something like 27 points. So the chances of them scoring fewer than twenty-seven points, and the chances of the Bengals giving up fewer than four sacks—that uh, that kind of s- stuff seems a little uh, obviously. It could all happen. It just it just seems like it's not the most likely to me. So for thirty-four hundred, uh, that that does help me get those four big wide receivers that I was talking about, and uh, especially if somebody if we get any intel that like Henderson might play twenty-five snaps. Not that I expect that exactly, but something like that is kind of what I'm waiting on before I figure out just what I want to do with that last spot or two. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a few options in that range that are pretty tempting. It's like Boyd, the uh, Rams defense, all that stuff. But I don't think I'm going to go at a kicker. Like Gay's the one with the better spot, right? Being on the favorite team seems like a kicker doesn't have any range. He's not going to get you those five pointers.
1: No, he he doesn't. So I, I do like McPherson for that. And that, you know, Matt not always been the most clutch this postseason. Like you said, on the range, like, you know, he was short on what, like a 47-yarder
2: Yeah, that was weird. I think he might have been hurt because he he used to be – he used to make, like, 56-yarders without that much trouble. You know, he wouldn't have any room to spare. But um, he used to have at least, like, that Robbie Gold kind of range. You know, he's, like, reliable from under 50, can't really go beyond it. So having that one 47-yarder or whatever look as lame as it was – that was pretty concerning.
1: Yeah, I thought, I thought so too. So I probably won't be using him. I would consider McPherson um, just more so based on, I just think that he is the second best kicker in football behind Justin Tucker. Um, and I, I think that, you know, that that's a weapon for the Bengals. You know, I think they're, they're going to be chasing points. And I think that they're going to be in a spot where it's like, if they can get inside the Rams 40 and they, they stall out, they they feel comfortable just taking some points. So I, I and because McPherson's so accurate and from such a long range. Well, um, I, I,
2: also, hmm? especially early in the game, like they, I don't think the Bengals are going to pass up points, especially if it's something like, you know, a fourth and three or more. Like I know there's this, this new trend of going for it. in in those situations. Oh, Twitter, Twitter
1: will be so fun if they ever decide to do anything
2: other than go for it on fourth down. Yeah, so in that situation, though, in a Super Bowl, I think the coach is going to kick it, especially if he thinks he can make it from, like, 58 or whatever. Which he certainly can, and that
1: that would play nicely for those who, who invest in McPherson. Uh, Andrea also wants to know, are you going both QBs in your builds? It sounds like that, that might not be feasible if you want to go stars, at, at like, fully stars at receiver.
2: Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's not like I want to leave out those quarterbacks, but... for for Stafford to cost more than Chase uh, for both Burrow and and Stafford to cost more than Chase it's like I just kind of um I don't know it's something I got to think about more and I was trying to even now to think through like if Burrow has a bigger game than Stafford you know like if, if Burrow is in all the cashing lineups like how does that happen because it's we would of course expect Higgins and Chase to be there but it's on the other hand it's like we expect them to go either way like even if burrow has a not so good game we expect them to go so i was trying to think like if, if burrow's on the catching lineups does that mean boyd had a big game and boyd thus taking up more explanation i'm not really sure but um i think if i did put burrow in then at the very least i would not consider any rams pass catcher aside from uh cooper cup like I i would just assume Man, I guess things didn't go that good for the Rams because uh, everything's working for the Bengals. That kind of correlating logic. But in my initial loadout for, for the one lineup that I'm likely to make, I, I'm kind of more so leaning toward the receivers, just because I don't expect the run games to do a whole lot. And in both passing games cases, it's a pretty narrow channeling of the targets, especially the Rams, of course. But uh, even even as much as Tyler Boyd's a really good player, and as much as I'm I'm going to have to think really hard about including him, it's it's still pretty reliably through Higgins and Chase that that offense goes. So it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to think outside of that kind of, uh, you know, logic.
1: So kind of an overarching summation of kind of where we're gearing our, our lineups It's passing games for, for both. Um, not too much attention being paid to, to the running backs. I do wonder, like, I might make it a, a lineup that that does feature a little bit more of the run game, just just because I figure that's going to be at least very underserved as far as the uh, roster percentage goes in yeah. a lot of these tournaments. So like there is a contrarian angle there, but I, if I'm just just shooting from the hip, I, like I'm just going Higgins and Captain Burrow, uh, and then just kind of after that, I I will have McPherson, Fade cup only because i can't afford to to put him into my lineup have beckham instead and uh, actually have both quarterbacks um and and then you you got to dumpster dive a little bit there at the end uzama kind of an important part of that particular lineup. maybe blanton or something
2: if you're fading cup maybe like blanton or scouring oh that's an yeah that's an interesting call because it's probably
1: even if cup doesn't have a massive game which he, he probably still will so i'm i'm
2: you know, well, at this there. price though it's like if he has less than 100 yards and seven catches or something like that it really might be uh, the right call to fade him especially because that that s- relatively small amount of disappointment in his box score could just go directly to one of those other guys van jefferson or scourneck or blanton um in the event that higby is out i mean uh so if if stafford has a decent game and cup is only like of what it usually is, then it might be tough for cup to be, you know, the cashing option.
1: Right. Exactly. So with, with that price point in mind, I I think might leave him out for, for, for just this one. And then, um, do like maybe a a dollar lineup that, that has some of those running backs. But if I, if I'm just doing one in a tournament, probably steering clear and just trying to, to hit, um, on some of those maybe, tertiary pass catching options or, or hope that McPherson goes for like 20 points
2: yeah uh, um and I didn't mean to skip Joe Mixon but the one thing I'll say about him is if he has a good game I think it needs to happen as a pass catcher because I just I don't think he's going to be able to run but if the Bengals can somehow isolate him against Troy Reader then that actually might be something that the Bengals take up because Reader's just Reader's crap but um yeah so the uh, part of the reason why I'm actually concerned for the Bengals in the first place is like Reader is the, the sieve in that defense, and they don't really have anyone in that part of the field to take advantage of them. It's like by the run, they are not ex- they can't access Reader because the defensive line gets in the way. Yeah. But as a pass catcher, I don't know if the Rams can hide them.
1: Okay, that, that's an interesting detail there. And we're, we're about to get into more of the matchup-specific X's and O's uh, type of thing here in a minute. But that, that'll wrap up our showdown analysis. We're also going to get to some bets here in a little bit. But before then, got a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We also got a message from our friends over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks, I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sports book app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's Digital Casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in seven states as Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. While rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. It's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Roto-Wire's fantasy podcast. All right, Mario, so let's start things off. Let's just kind of get the elephant in the room out of the way. The Aaron Donald versus the, the Bengals' interior offensive line. Who wins that battle? I think there's a pretty heavy expectation that that this will favor the Rams and, and Donald. But – you know the Bengals, they they know that they have a bad offensive line. So do they counter adjust like before bad stuff even happens? Do they go into this game trying to just get the ball out as quickly as po- as possible? Almost, not not to say it'll it'll work the same, but you know Ben Roethlisberger, he gets a snap and like the ball's out immediately. Do do you think the Bengals try that that quick strike game early to kind of negate the pass rush, not just from Donald but but also Von Miller?
2: Yeah, not not even just those guys. I mean, I'm worried about pretty much every front five person in that Rams defense. Like Leonard Floyd is a player who's not good enough if he's your best edge rusher, but if he's your second best edge rusher and there's Von Miller on the other side and there's Aaron Donald on the interior, even guys like Greg Gaines, I think, could be a problem for this Bengals offensive line. So it's it's definitely concerning enough when you think about it, just Aaron Donald, just Von Miller. But I'm worried about just collapse every single spot of that offensive line and that yet then again um that obviously was probably close to the worst case scenario with the titans game too like jeff simmons was just eating up the whole offensive line giving up nine sacks or whatever it was not even on that many pass attempts uh very crazy uh what you saw though over the course of that game and i think in the the other games too is like the raiders game uh Last week with the Chiefs, it's like you don't really see the Bengals adjust a whole lot on offense like the defense adjusted at halftime quite a bit like Lou Anarumo, uh, I assume, was responsible for that. I haven't seen Zach Taylor change up his tendencies a whole lot and even even just generally the offense seems kind of uh, like a little bit primitive in that it's it's mostly just you got to beat the guy ahead of you kind of thing. And that works when you have Jamar chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. like the other, the other three corners aren't good enough. They can't play one-on-one against them. So they, they start beating them and, and Burrow's a good quarterback. So when they, when they do beat the corner, he, he's usually capitalizing on it. Um, the question I guess is if, if to, going against the Titans means nine sacks, then will it be something worse with the Rams? And, I would have to say probably, but the the one thing is that the Titans pass rush was pretty good overall. Even like Danico Autry, he was having a big effect this year on the interior. So it wasn't just Simmons. It was Autry and Landry and uh, was it Dupree playing. I don't really know. Um, But then again, yeah, like Donald is even even if Simmons is a total monster and he he sure seems to be. Donald is just uh, his own category. And he's 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 not even he's not like Chris Jones or Jeff Simmons also in that his the way he disrupts is pretty linear and, and like instant like chris jones uh jeff simmons those guys are monsters but they also do a lot of like swim move stuff and they just kind of like clobber guys and throw them around donald just sort of appears in the backfield yeah <laughs> and uh you know taking over some you know running over a guy on the way of course it's like he just appears there truly but it's it's just a different kind of threat and i feel like You know, in a lot of ways, the Rams are kind of the worst matchup in the whole league for the Bengals to face. Like if they if they just had a couple good guards, then it would just all of a sudden be like, you know, you. No one likes to see Aaron Donald. No one has good games against Aaron Donald, but you might be the particular team to make him look better than he ever has. So I'm kind of concerned for that reason. And uh, you know, Burrow will take the hits and keep playing. It's not like he's going to get rattled like a guy like Tannehill would, but it is enough for me to worry about their ability to make the game seriously competitive. Right. And,
1: and you know, that the problem with with, that Donald presents relative to, you know, some, some great edge rushers is that you can't really like add an extra
2: guard or or something like that. Yeah. You have to have like a punt block guy. Yeah. uh, see, And it's like nothing. You can't really do it. It's just hard. Get some Ajay Piran in the back. Sign Tebow and have him be the the quarterback protector. Protector. Yeah.
1: With, I mean, they might need it because because you know again the point I was making you can't chip Donald with with a tight
2: end and, right you know, make make you have to move the, to the quarterback third. and have a running back in there to like seal off where the boot goes.
1: Yep, yeah, pretty much. So that that's obviously going to be super tricky. I don't I don't know if if the Bengals will have the right answer for that. And I I guess I do have a question for you because you touched on Taylor's tendencies, Zach Taylor's tendencies. You know, with with his relation to to McVeigh is it far enough in the past and was it short lived enough to where McVeigh like doesn't have like a, a distinct upper hand as far as knowing what Taylor is going to want to do in a given situation? Or or is that something that, that might actually factor in where, where McVeigh has some Intel on, on, you know, how Taylor likes to structure things.
2: I don't know if he really needs the Intel. I mean, I think everything Taylor does is pretty transparent. It's not, it's he's not like McVeigh at all. You know, the like McVeigh's, mcveigh and shanahan they're both very um like almost neurotic with with their play schemes and their play designs uh i guess andy Reid's another one of them where it's like you see them run plays that other teams just don't like obviously they borrow some of the concepts of the broader shanahan tree but they they kind of just do their own one-off stuff and taylor more so i think just kind of like has an offense that he's just always been familiar with and he runs it and when you have better players than the defense has, it, it tends to work. And if if you don't have a personnel advantage, uh, it, it it doesn't really help anybody. So with McVeigh, it's like he's he's big on the smoke and mirrors too. You know, it's like he's got um, he's got all these conventional plays, and he's got a, a good sense for just sequencing and stuff. And maybe Taylor has that. I don't know. Maybe there's something. Maybe there's something McVeigh would know about. Taylor likes to call these concepts in these situations or something like that. But the concepts themselves. I don't really think catch teams by surprise. It's like if the Bengals catch you by surprise, they'd have to run like a flea flicker or something. It's like, you basically know, you know, chase is going over in this range somewhere. Higgins is going to probably be over here someplace. And it's just still tough. It's still uh, tough to stop them anyway, because they're, uh, you know, they're, they're catch point players too. They're not just like getting wide open every time.
1: Yeah. So it's, I can't I can't wait to see you know how how that shakes out and how, how these two kind how the two coaches um just kind of chess match against each other. Um on the on the other side, when when the Rams have the ball, you know, what what's your expectation? What what does Cincinnati need to do to to slow down the, the Rams? Is there an X factor in the, in this Rams offense that that maybe we haven't talked about enough yet that that's going to make an impact here? Or is it going to be the the cup and odell show and and you know it they'll just kind of live and die with that if it works they win if, they, if it doesn't maybe you know it doesn't work out so good for them
2: so we were talking earlier of course about our DraftKings kings lineup and i was mentioning that I'd, I'd like to get all these receivers if i could it's not as if i really want to fade the rams rushing game it, quite the contrary i wish i could have some idea of where the actual usage will go because i personally expect the rams to win and i'm, I'm not I'm not convinced it's going to be a particularly close game. McVeigh, having been this bar, been this far before and blown it already, and uh, probably feeling some amount of anxiety about all this. Like you see how he was kind of like unraveling in that game last week, just like <laughs> calling challenges when he he literally like did it one time all year, 17 weeks he challenges one call, and then in this game he calls two challenges for plays that anybody, even if you barely knew anything about football, you could just look at it and be like, oh yeah, he's going to lose that one. And McVeigh is a smart guy. Clearly he doesn't do dumb things usually. So something about the situation might've gotten to him. Like he might've been a little rattled by, by the stakes of it all. And like the fear of blowing it again. So if he does get a lead in this game, I'm not convinced that he's going to like air it out. I think he could, if he gets like eight points on the Bengals at any point, I think he might just try to go into a shell and run out the clock and because uh, he has the defense to, to the defense might get him the ball back anyway. You know, it's like even if uh, they run out the clock and punt without having moved the ball very far, even if they don't get any points on a drive, they're probably content to leave the Bengals in bad field position because they're going to assume a turnover or two happens. They're going to assume uh, four to ten sacks are going to happen and they can kind of just keep knocking them back a little bit. So as long as they get that two score lead, I think they will try to run the ball quite a bit. It's just how do we know whether it's going to be Akers or Michelle or Henderson at which points like if, if if the Rams get that two score lead and there's a different back that they have in mind for that scenario than when they open the game it's like for all we know Akers could be the starter in effect and then maybe Michelle is the guy that they have in mind to run out the clock and maybe it's that running back who gets all the usage. It's just really tough to know. But I do expect the Rams like I'm personally expecting the Rams to have a bit of a lead So I expect that they're going to run with some success, but for the showdown purposes, I don't know if it's going to be enough for any one of those three players. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, something to think about, but I personally can't get any read on it.
1: It's, it's tricky that like, like you mentioned, if the Rams do, you know, kind of get that success on defense to where they're shutting the Bengals offense down and then they're having their own success on offense and they just kind of start to, to, you know, put the extra added weight on the Bengals with with you know all the pass rush, this could th- there is definitely like an easier path for for this one to get away from from the Bengals than there is for the Rams. I, I don't really see that the, the Bengals being able to to pull ahead by any significant margin. I do personally expect the Bengals to win, but it it's a lot more. Um, it, we we talked about it like we were talking about. Dre- over-drafting certain guys in, in ADP, like in best ball last year. It's like, if you're, if you're doing this, you're drafting on vibes. I'm kind of picking the Bengals on vibes, but we'll, we'll get to that a little bit um, more later. I want to talk to you about some bets. And, and you know, I think leading things off, you know, we, you're talking about the Rams and maybe their ability to, to get out in front. The Rams have historically started hot this season. They've scored first in 13 of their games, including the playoffs this year, they're ten and three uh, when they do that. Six of those have been scoring, uh, scored by the passing touchdown, one uh, by a rushing touchdown, and then six field goals on top of that. And the Bengals, for their own part, have also not been the team that starts hot more often than not. They've only scored first in seven of their games so far. That's so that's just thirty five percent. But they they are effective when they do score first at, at six and one. So would you be kind of inclined to go after maybe a bet on certain quarters like if you look at uh the first first quarter spread for the rams would you put down on, on them with the expectation that that they're you know leading at the end of the first that type of thing
2: yeah uh so to be honest i've never done these before so i i don't have any i don't have any sense of of how a person might go about you know putting certain percentages on certain bets versus others I'm kind of probably just repeating myself in a way cuz like, I just expect the Rams to win but I would I would kind of go with whatever that Rams uh scenario was them them scoring first. If they tend to score first anyway and the Bengals tend to score second anyway, then if if I think the Rams are going to win, I'll I'd probably go with that one too because uh if they're not scoring if they're not scoring first, then I guess, you know, that could that could be seen as a bad sign for their chances of winning.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's a good summation of you know what what the numbers uh, seem to suggest there let's go ahead look at some player props um, I want to start with receiving yards obviously we've talked a ton about these pass catchers and, and you know how we like them for our lineups but you know you can also parlay that in, into uh, legalized bets it uh, depending on the book so let's start things out with Tyler Boyd 42 and a half. Um, at DraftKings, 39 and a half um, over at FanDuel. And then PointsBet and BetMGM have him at forty and a half. and projects him at 36.4. Where are you with Tyler Boyd?
2: I think Boyd's a really good player. So for that price, he's just kind of interesting to me off the bat. Like, even if I was worried about him going against Ramsey at that price, it's like, well, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe – slips a tackle, gets a 40 yard catch or something. And he catches four others for 25 yards. It's like that you're already cooking a little bit with something like that. And it's, it's something that could happen. Even if he sees Ramsey, as it turns out though, we might not have reason to expect him to see Ramsey more than like five plays and whoever it is on him is not qualified to cover him. If if Ramsey is on somebody else, then whoever is on Boyd doesn't want to cover him, uh, especially with these, these Rams corners. Like there's just no depth in this Rams corner rotation. so. It's possible that Boyd still, even in that case, doesn't do a whole lot. But if so, it would probably be due to just kind of like the Rams surprising Burrow, I think, post-snap. like get, Burrow going into a play thinking based on the pre-snap read that he's going to have one thing, and the Rams just rolling guys all over the place, like putting their coverages where Burrow doesn't expect it. Something like that would have to get in the way because if, if Boyd's got a one-on-one matchup and there's there's nothing in the way otherwise, Boyd's probably beating that player. Uh, And if if he's beating that guy and still not getting targets, then it's only because Chase and Higgins took so much for themselves. So it's like all those things can happen. But um, what seems most likely is Ramsey on Chase and some bum on Boyd. So, uh, yeah, at the very least, if you don't have Chase in your lineup, you might want to have Boyd. And not to say you can't have them both. But if you are fading Chase or if you just can't quite get enough cash to put him in your lineup, very seriously consider Boyd because. Uh, like we were talking about sample's not doing anything. Mixon could pick up the slack, but it's only Mixon who can pick up the slack and there's no fourth receiver who can do anything.
1: No, there's really not. I mean, you're you're looking at at what Stanley Morgan is their like number 4 yeah, wide receiver. They don't
2: even have Tate right now. It's like it's a uh, it's like bad Mike Thomas and it, and Stanley Morgan. Yep.
1: So n- not not ideal, but but their their top three are obviously great. And I think you know, and this dovetails with the Rams in their pass rush, and it goes with the idea of the Bengals trying to get the ball out quick. Like, that fits Boyd extremely well. He's he's had games with five and six targets uh, in this postseason, only drew three in that second postseason game. But five and six in those other ones hasn't been overly effective. No one would say that he has been, but we know that he can be. And I think that, you know, in this situation – donald just breathing down burrow's neck like right, right off the snap you got to get rid of it if uzama is not himself unable to play that his normal uh allotment of snaps and like you said mixon really the only other intermediate option as it were short to intermediate option i think that this could you know we, we've talked it out enough i love the over for boyd uh i will i think that he goes for at least 50 yards
2: yeah and i should have brought up your point about the the route depth uh i should have mentioned that just talking earlier in general because that's the concern for chase too and and another reason to like higgins the same same reason there are same reasons there are to like higgins to some extent apply to boyd but not chase because chase runs more like that 13 14 yard average depth of target and that's the average you know he's catching some screens too that are dragging that down there's a lot of passes that are like 20 plus yards and you're not running 20 plus yards if Aaron Donald has ended the play already after you get to 12, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, Higgins and Boyd, they run under 12. That might not be a deal breaker for them, but it could be for chase, even if he's not on rent, Ram- even if Ramsey isn't even on him.
1: Right. Just because of, of what the pass rush could, could be able to generate up front. So dovetailing off of that, we got props here, 70 and a half for T Higgins um, at, at most places, anywhere between 69 and a half and 70 and a half. For him and then chase anywhere between uh 79 and a half and 80 and a half for him so what your thoughts on both of those guys
2: well i guess ideally you'd put down like a combo of them that subscribe to the same broader theory because otherwise you could just tell yourself like sure why not over on both of them and if like it'd be one thing to to just do that of course but if you're picking both of the over on chase and higgins then maybe you'd like to put one on burrow too while you're at it um because because i'm man i started i think at the, at the end of this i'm a little bit lower on chase than i was at the start of it but yeah I, cool. me too. it's hard for me to leave him out of the lineup and it's hard for me to to take the under on him just because i do think he could put up like 80 yards in the fourth quarter alone if it's if it's a two score game i think he could put up 80 yards in a quarter you know so Mm -hmm. uh that kind of stuff sticks in my head but i guess for my like most of the time scenario that i'm imagining if i'm not trying to imagine the outlier scenarios i guess i more so lean toward higgins and boyd rather than chase so i i would say the chase under and uh even then it's not a slam dunk for the higgins over but if i'm going for the higgins if I'm going with the chase under, I do think I want the Higgins and Boyd overs.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like the way that you, that you built that out. Um, yeah, I, w- I wish that Higgins like the the books are sharp, you know,
2: ob- obviously, but like you know, I'm not I, I so thought, charitable with us for some reason. Yeah, what's the deal?
1: Give give me free money. Um, yeah. I don't get it. Not fair. Um, but yeah, I do. I do like Higgins and the over as well. I would actually. Here's another. You know, building off of it. If if I like Higgins in the captain spot, and I like his over, of course, MVP.
2: If if the Bengals win, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I just, at some point, you might want to consider, like, uh, if, if these are sums of money that mean nothing to you to lose, then I guess you might as well go all in on the premise of uh, where your highest earnings would potentially be, and yeah, if you're, if you're in on the Bengals and you think that they're going to win then if you think Higgins is their leading producer from scrimmage it's it's hard to think of a reason why not at that point
1: yeah so that that's certainly in play uh some of the other uh mvp developments that that have have come across our our friends at winbet are generous enough to to share some of their uh betting splits uh Aaron Donald at plus 1600 is getting of of the money put down on on the MVP bets are on Aaron Donald.
2: Yeah, I don't like it because weird players can win Super Bowl MVP. I don't know if people remember all the Super Bowl MVPs over the years, but it's not like the actual season-long MVP. It's not like it just goes to the highest-paid quarterback every time. It can sometimes go to guys that you never really hear from again. Like, I'd be worried about... Dexter Jackson? Dexter Jackson, the the all-timer... Well, there's like Desmond Howard winning with like punt returns for the Packers. Mm-hmm. There's um, w- one of the weirdest ones was this this corner, this cornerback for the Cowboys in the 90s who wasn't even good. Uh, but he got like three or four interceptions in the 1995 Super Bowl because Neil O'Donnell just kept throwing it right at him. And even <laughs> la- even Larry Brown, if you watch some of the clips, it's, he's, he like is surprised by at least a couple of like he, he catches the ball and he's just like, what, what do i do with this really and, yeah and uh, uh he won super bowl mvp and then al davis set gave him a bunch of money in free agency and they had Sound to like, cut, right. cut him after like a year because he couldn't actually play he was just standing around in the right place a few times in the super bowl um so yeah weird players can win it like I, obviously i would if i had to do a most likely thing aaron donald would start at the top but 25 five that sounds like a you know, a lot of people placing one bet and not like hedging with with multiple ones. Cause I'd be worried about like I was saying, like guy like Leonard Floyd, Greg Gaines, players like that can win Super Bowl MVP. If Donald has one and a half sacks, but Gain has two and uh he recovers a fumble that everyone remembers, like that's that's all it takes, you know. There there's another
1: uh certain former Super Bowl MVP on the on the Rams defense, Von Miller, right there. Yeah, Von as, Miller,
2: as well. Leonard Floyd, uh freaking troy reader could win if he just is standing around and intercepts a touchdown you know it's like something like that is is all it takes so if i was doing mvp bets for the super bowl i guess i would have to look into like a combination of like you know at least three or four players and see if i could like my odds of cornering it between the group well
1: and one of the the biggest um travesties of the uh super bowl mvps was from that Dexter Jackson Super Bowl because Dw- Dwight Smith actually had two pick sixes, right? And then, and then, that- oh, I
2: didn't remember specifically, but yeah, that's funny. Yeah, was one like the game winner or something?
1: Well, the, the, it was, but like it was super over by then, but I think his, his second pick six must have come like right after uh vote, votes were being tallied because, like oh, okay. I said, he, because I think Jackson had two earlier in the game, Smith had the one pick six, and then I think capped it off with the other, but that was one of the biggest lopsided super bowls in history
2: yeah that's uh that's yeah that's another thing too is like if, if if one team wins then it's like a lot of players i guess uh i guess the more players that are contending the more likely it's going to a star you know like it's yeah if it's one of the weird guys who wins it's because they stole the spotlight that that a star would normally take up um but yeah it, so if, if I'm if I'm placing 100 bets on Super Bowl MVP, I'm not putting 25 on Donald, you know, I'm like I'm, I know that's not how it actually works. But like I, I just I, I would be placing a few. I'd, I'd try to find some long shot like gains, see if I can get good odds on it, hedge a little bit so that if uh, even if I'm right that the Rams defensive line eats up the Bengals and, and it's somehow not Donald, I still hopefully get whatever there is to be had, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I totally yeah, see, see what you laid out there as far as the, the MVP is concerned. Uh, so I put together a bunch of bets. Uh, I took a little road trip up to Chattanooga on Monday. Uh, I'm going to read out some of mine. Uh, I also will have an article out on this for, for uh, you dear readers to, to uh, take a look at later on today. I'll start off with, with the one that that obviously has the most intrigue, the most upside, Um it's an eight-leg parlay that, that pays out twenty-five thousand uh, to to one, or yeah, or yeah, plus twenty-five thousand is uh, is the listing. So we got Bengals money line. We got over forty-eight and a half. We got Jamar Chase anytime touchdown score. Cooper Cup anytime touchdown score. Joe Burrow anytime touchdown score. So that's him punching it in or catching a Philly special. Joe Burrow over two hundred seventy-nine passing yards. Rams winning the race to 10 points, however, <laughs> um, and, and Joe Mixon under 69 and a half rushing yards. So, I mean, where can I spend like this it. money first?
2: Yeah. Um, maybe you could start lending other people money on the assumption that, on uh, credit, I mean, and then you'll get that money and eventually I, I got to like the, the shirt on for
1: it to just be a, a bit of a loan shark. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, especially with everything that you've laid out already in the podcast about, you know, especially the the scoring tendencies, the early scoring tendencies of the two teams. It's like if if you uh, take the Bengals to win, you got the right correlating details, you know, like Chase scoring, Burrow putting up numbers. Uh, Cup would have probably a big game either way, regardless of whether which team wins. And uh, yeah, that 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 Rams first to ten would aside from their uh whatever that is 10 and 3 record when they do that um that they're they're scoring first or whatever Uh, Mm -hmm. i guess first to 10 is a little different than that obviously but uh that 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 maybe is like the for the for the broader collection of of wagers you have there it might be that first to 10 part that's the the most uh long shot like if those other things all happen like maybe that's the one that's toughest to see uh In isolation, happening, but if it does, the other things, you know, that they're they're so much less concerning than than that first ten point. And uh, you know, if you can, if you just think of it as like a collection of those other ones without the first to ten, it sounds like a bunch of stuff that everyone basically expects to happen.
1: See exactly. So I I was surprised to, I mean, obviously, so many things have to happen for that to to hit, but it's eight what I felt to be pretty reasonable little outcomes from the course of this game. So uh, we'll be rooting for that one. Uh, Put down on, let's see here. Will there be a missed field goal or extra point? I said yes at plus 110. Um, First sack of the game. Went a little bit off the board, a little bit off the beaten path. Give me Trey Hendrickson. Plus 500 to record the first sack. I also had an exacta uh, on the sacks. I'm saying that there is going to be exactly six sacks in this game. I think that that's probably low. Now that I'm thinking about it a little well, bit well, it's more. it's
2: five for the Rams and one for Trey Hendrickson who got the first sack. <laughs> see, and then that that pays out plus three fifty. So, gotta love that. Um, let's Getting see Rich here. is easy. I don't. Dude, I don't understand. I'm just I'm telling everyone
1: how to win. print money. I, to, I told y'all uh, back in early January that I put down money on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl uh, when they were like plus eighteen hundred. So. Yep, got a lot of funky ones um, in here, and then Mario. I, I guess I'll I'll end our betting segment, then we'll get to predictions here in a second. But but one bet that's getting a lot of Twitter discourse. Maybe I'm biased because I'm generating some of it. Will there be an octopus?
2: Are there any conditions at all as to how this octopus gets there, or what kind of octopus it is? Does it need to be a real one, or will like a stuffed octopus count? You know, there's a lot of not d- even like a taxidermied one. I mean, like a cartoon stuffed, like a miniature octopus that looks like a children's cartoon character.
1: See, it's it's just so funny, like uh, on a visceral level, to just be looking at a sports books, you know, li- list of bets, and it's just, and everything is like so specific. Letter of the law, exactly. Like this, this means this. There's just, will there be an octopus? Um,
2: with odds on, it, you know, it's just like man. They they really should write what kind. They should specify that it needs to like be a real octopus, uh, like a whole body. Of, like you can't just come in with some octopus in your pocket and like throw it on the field. Um, yeah, because if if look at that. Otherwise, John, I might have to place the yes on that bet. Take your. Whatever that is, octopus. That's my octopus. Your, he wears your a cowboy octo- hat made out it's of so Cyrus or whatever that is. Um, <laughs> I think it's some sort of crappy wood. If you but. if you get a ticket somehow and you go to that game and you throw that on the field, and they don't pay out because it's not a real octopus, I I am taking them to court. Like they huh. they have to define what kind of octopus does not count or does count, and if if they neglect to then it's f- it's fair game if you if you throw that you know maybe they should put some people on this, the 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 rails on the sideline to like and block you like in volleyball or something and if they keep it off the field that much more power to them the bet doesn't pay but if you get it past their guys and it lands on the field they should have to pay
1: oh and i'm galaxy braining here a little bit further um and and yes totally agree and this is an octopus cyrus the the octopus he's not a squid he's an octopus so he would count cal- really? At least by by what I'm what we're cooking with here, galaxy brain though Detroit famous the Red Wings are famous for having fans throw octopus onto the ice. Maybe there are some Stafford respecters that are coming in just because that they, they loved him in Detroit, going to the game, and they can't, they just physically are unable to go to a sporting event without an octopus and and, and then, well, then that's... the that's on
2: that's that's some that's like running up the score because there will also be guys just throwing octopi at the field anyway to to cash out to cash the bet um or at least i hope so because that's when you when you yourself can can um dictate whether a, a bet pays off like you have to intervene you have to control what you can that that opportunity never happens you you only are are at the mercy of chance you know any other time so if you can win a bet by going to the field and throwing an or if you want to throw a living octopus that works too i'm just saying like it should be particularly easy to get in like a little figurine of a of an octopus or a uh, a a plush octopus uh toy get it Mm -hmm. on the field and if the bet terms don't say uh, toys don't count i don't know how they don't pay that it's uh it could it could be a, a class action case study at the very least i think so too man the
1: the octopus is going to to really put uh sports betting in this country under under a huge uh huge microscope It might need um, to have
2: like octopus intercepting drones at the game just to, keep yeah, the, just to keep the economy from falling apart over so many people cashing out this bet at the same time
1: scanning you know whether you know any object ha- has eight appendages or or not um so. <laughs>
2: Yeah, people are going to get patted down for octopus toys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sir, there's something not bipedal about
1: your vibes. Uh, you seem more octagonal. Um, let's go ahead. Let's round it out. We're getting to the end of the show here. Of course, again, this podcast brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. Mario, what is your final prediction for Super Bowl 56?
2: Um, I'll say Rams. Um the over under is at 48
1: and a half that, that
2: I'll take the over. I'll take okay. the over, but I think I take the Rams to cover. I think the Rams, I don't know, something like 30, either like 35 or 38 to 24 or 28.
1: Okay. So pretty, pretty high scoring uh, Super Bowl here, potentially with, with the Rams uh, securing a victory by more than four and a half points. I'm going to go with slightly lower scoring, but still the overhitting. Give me the Bengals, 27. Give me the Rams, 24. And, uh, you know, last year I had like this horrible feeling in my stomach from the time that we recorded the pod on that Thursday all the way through. where was like, I can't escape this feeling. The Buccaneers are going to win. I don't feel quite as, as schwammied as I did a year ago on that one, but um, I still think that they're – you know, again it, it it's a little bit more faith based than numbers, reality, roster analysis, yada yada yada. The Bengals have Joe Burrow and he the dude just dude just wins games. The dude rises to the occasion. I think he's gonna somehow find a way.
2: Yeah, I wish I wish I could have a good like Francesa sort of thing. That's to, what to, to explain <laughs> why why Joey Burroughs um You know the prince that was promised, but uh, I I think I think he can still be the prince that is promised and lose this game. Uh, It's just tough matchup. But yeah, like you said, if uh, I mean, well, the one thing I will say is if Stafford has a slightly off game, then maybe that's the way it happens. Uh, Stafford,
1: who led the league in interceptions, Matt Stafford,
2: he led the league
1: in interceptions. Tied.
2: That must have been like uh, what with Ben Roethlisberger or something anyway 17 with, with some jokester burrow's not too far off himself from that one um but anyway uh yeah i think uh i i like i hope the bengals win with the rams getting to 10 points first and the overhitting and burrow having more than 278 yards or whatever uh but yeah i i, I think all those other things could happen and, and more so the rams still kind of win is what i would go with if i were the weatherman for this game Oh. Well.
1: Very good. I uh, appreciate the, the you know measured and actual uh, well-thought-out analysis other than me just blurting out uh, Joe Burrow. But that, that's where I'm at with this one. I've thought about this game long enough. I've driven across state lines to <laughs> wager on this game. So I'm ready for it. I'm excited. Um, you got any uh, Super Bowl spreads that you're making? Any any good food uh, on the menu here?
2: Uh, no, I'm mostly... Uh kind of just doing work at the moment like we got the uh site projections coming up so and i got some other stuff going on so i probably will only be watching the game and putting in my uh stupid draft kings lineup or two and and uh ordering food after all that's done very good uh,
1: going to to a, a soiree of, of some sort at, at a friend's and i'm gonna try to bring some food that I, that i'm making what to be determined if anyone will actually eat it, but I'll try to. Make uh, they practices. they would
2: be blessed if you made such a decision. It sounds I, like that's what I'm saying, dude. I've, yeah. I've been I've been in the lab in the kitchen lately, but anyway, again,
1: that's a sign that, that we've strayed too far. That's gonna do it for us here on the RedWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Don't worry, what we're gonna keep it rolling throughout the entirety of the off season. So Mario and I will be back next Thursday, and also if you're listening to this either on the stream. Or if you're listening to it in podcast form later in the day on Thursday, we are doing a Rotowire Spaces over on Twitter. That's eight o'clock tonight, eight o'clock Eastern. Uh, myself is go- is going to be on there. Very good introduction there, of course. Um, and then Alan Sislowski, <laughs> Al- Jim Coventry, a couple of great football minds, and then a guy with a, a with a mustache. Um, that, that's pretty much how that that sets
2: up. And a shirt of the Canadian flag. It's
1: got my name on it too. Oh, nice! It, oh, that's a, a bowling,
2: bowling. uniform. Is yeah. It? Okay. <laughs> Woo!
1: Yeah, s- save the bees, taking Atlanta's uh, recreational bowling scene uh, by storm. But anyway, I was going to do it. Check out the Twitter space. It's eight o'clock Eastern. We're going to have live tweeting during the game as well. Follow at Rotowire Sports for more of that. A lot of fun stuff going on over there. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire. Fantasy Football Podcast, again, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet.
3: Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash
0: Trump. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working,